0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on March 13th, 2023. really feels like spring is almost here. I know it's only mid-March and we're almost guaranteed to get slammed with another surprise snowfall or two, but we seem to be just out of the woods. It was a decent winter with a nice holiday season, but I, for one, am ready to get back out there and soak up that sunshine in the pretty state of Colorado. But you didn't come here to talk about your favorite spring activities and how best to enjoy a little vitamin D. You came here to learn about the biggest news and statistics surrounding the world of energy. Starting, of course, we take a look at commodity prices. WTI continues to tease us with that $80 ceiling. Last week, we spent several hours spanning Monday evening and Tuesday morning above $80. I believe that's the longest period we've witnessed a greater than $80 price since we've fallen below. It's a good sign when we continue to test that ceiling with greater frequency, as that can often be an indicator of overcoming it in the near future. Until then, we will have to settle for a barrel sale in the mid-70s. Once WTI fell below 80 last week, it continued to fall to about 76. This morning, it opened to 76.51, but has since stabilized around 75.5. Brent continues to exhibit identical price action, as it slightly narrowed to his $6 premium. Natural gas continues to do what natural gas has been doing best and remains incredibly volatile, spanning a range of almost 270 last week to as low as 240 early this morning. Now bear in mind that this is simply Henry Hub gas pricing. Depending on where you are, especially in places that are aggressively phasing out natural gas power generation, you could easily see at least 10 times an increase in that price. I'm quite surprised Henry Hub has remained as low as it has, but it is likely a function of being so closely located to Texas that produces staggering amounts of natural gas compared to places like California. And also, the LNG export hubs certainly help as well. Patience will be here in the commodity pricing world, as I think that the only direction to go is up. So patience is our greatest tool. It just might take some extra time for markets to realize that upward movement. Next, we have the rig count. We've recorded another decline, this time three rigs. This brings us to a total of 746 rigs operating in the United States, which is only 86 more than we had this time last year. The plateau is real, and it seems a current healthy range remains somewhere in the neighborhood of 740 to 760, though we could be headed lower. Basin by basin, things seem relatively stagnant for all but one. The DJ, Mississippian, and Eagleford each gained a rig. The Marcellus lost one rig, and the big needle mover was the Permian, who somehow dropped six. Don't be too alarmed, though. 46% of all U.S. rigs reside in the Permian, so this is a relatively small change. State by state, this leaves Alaska up three, West Virginia up two, and Colorado up one. Louisiana, New Mexico, and Pennsylvania are all down three each. A slight emphasis in the arena of rigs drilling horizontal hole is both directional and vertical lose strength. The Gulf of Mexico was no help, as it also lost two rigs. Certainly not the strongest count we've seen this year, but if the past few weeks are telling of a pattern, then we're likely in for more small declines for at least another month. Our last statistic to visit is Thirsty Thursday, a report from Nick Fernhout. He writes one every week on rarepetro.com and always pairs a tasty cocktail recipe with great visual aids. I can verbally recap the info, but I highly recommend taking a look at his work every Thursday afternoon to massively enhance your understanding of domestic commodity supply. Here's what he had to write. Do my eyes deceive me? Do your eyes deceive you? No, there really is a draw this week. The EIA reported a 1.7 or so million barrel draw. Who would have thought that we'd see one? Well, the API did when they forecasted this week's crude oil inventory to drop by about 308,000 barrels. The API reported a much larger draw than the EIA did at 3.8 million. Well, here's another reason not to trust my betting advice. I thought we'd follow the same pattern and see a moderately sized build this week, but nope, we get the first draw in 11 weeks. We had a little bump in gas prices this week, which is likely due to the drop in gasoline stocks the past few weeks. Gas is just slightly more expensive, 7 cents on the week to be exact. A gallon of gasoline in California will cost you just about $5, while a gallon in Mississippi will cost you $3. Diesel, on the other hand, cheapened a bit by only $0.03. Here's a new section of the report. I thought some insight into the U.S.'s oil imports and exports would be good to cover, so here's a first take at presenting that data to you. The big picture. Below, we are looking at U.S. crude oil imports, exports, and net beginning in 2019 and up to last week. Now this again is a graph on the website, which is all another reason why you should be checking out Nick Fernhout's reports on rarepetro.com. Back to his analysis. Zooming in on just this week, while crude imports and exports are positive, other petroleum product exports heavily outweigh imports this week, bringing the net imports exports into negative territory. And that concludes Nick's research. Thank you again for another great Thirsty Thursday report. Next up, we've got some news to discuss. If you remember Biden's inauguration, you remember that within a few days, several oil projects had their life support yoinked, most notably part of the Keystone Pipeline's ability to operate. Knowing that, this next headline may come as a shocker. Biden greenlights the controversial Alaska oil project. That's right. The Willow Project aims to cover three drill sites in the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. This area is estimated to contain some 600 million barrels of oil, in which slightly less than 200,000 barrels per day are expected to be produced. This should help ConocoPhillips create a slew of jobs and an estimated $17 billion for the feds. The peculiar part is that, as recent as Friday, the White House commented that no decision had been made, while the Interior Department introduced a slew of new protections for 16 million acres within the petroleum reserve. Many environmental groups counted their eggs before they hatched and considered this a victory only for the Biden administration to reveal their decision this Monday morning. Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan has considered this, quote, one of the biggest, most important resource development projects in the state's history. End quote. Not the most groundbreaking story, but especially surprising considering the current political climate and administration. Perhaps Alaska fits well into the mainland's not-in-my-backyard argument. Next is news from France. France. Usually, when you hear that, you expect a story regarding Total, but in this case, it regards the people. If you haven't heard, there's been recent efforts by France's government to continue to shift the goalpost, pushing the retirement age from 62 to 64. The people of France have made it clear that they will not have that, and strikes have sprung up across France among all sectors, but most notably for this podcast are power supply, refinement, and fuel delivery. This, of course, has affected the LNG import terminals if workers have gone on full strike there. The halted operations have sent European gas benchmarks up 25% on last Thursday and Friday, partly aided by a recent cold snap in northwest Europe, and renewed concerns about France's nuclear power fleet availability. Despite all of this added economic pressure, the French Senate voted in favor of the age adjustment. Of course, this doesn't mean that it's been signed into law, but it's certainly closer to being codified than it was last week. Unfortunately, shutting down these terminals doesn't only affect France. Gas deliveries to Europe and the recently rocked Turkey fell by nearly 19% due to the protests. Europe specifically may be experiencing their lowest levels of LNG imports since October of 2022. This will be an interesting one to watch because the implications are serious and this is only a taste of the civil unrest that we're seeing in Europe. Folks, that is the end of this episode. Sorry it got out a little bit later than anticipated. Anthony and I took some time this afternoon to prep and record the next Wacky World of Energy for release in the next few weeks, so be sure to frack that follow button and check out our website for plenty more content. Especially be tuned into That Wacky World because we talk about this story in France, a bunch of other international stories, and the most ridiculous domestic stories that have popped up in recent headlines. If you ever wonder, where in the world are they finding all of this news? Then you can find our Energy Headlines page on the website, where we link a lot of our favorite sources and stories. That should save you just a little bit of legwork on learning. We bring a lot of great content to the table, and we're excited that you're willing to join us as we continue to learn and grow ourselves. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.